0: But there was a struggle having kids and being in this industry it was very difficult. And I still I have struggled with it since I've had kids. You do something for so long and you identify yourself as this kind of a person and then now you're a mom and, and uh you don't know what else to be because they need you and then but you need to find yourself at the same time. And it's really hard. It's a really hard thing. And I battled like ugh, with like being happy, being mad, being resentful, all the feelings until you finally accept like, okay, this is the role that I have and I love my children. So you make it work.
1: How does motherhood challenge a career in hospitality? Veronica Dugo dives into the challenges of hospitality and motherhood, the way the industry has changed in the last 18 years, and how her foundation in hospitality has set her up for success with transferable skills to take on human resources. Join us.
2: Veronica, so excited to have you on our brand new podcast, Surviving Hospitality. I'm really thrilled to start it and hear a little bit more about your story. For our listeners, wanted to introduce you a little bit more formally. So I'm here with Veronica Duco today. And we're going to talk a little bit about the journey from being in the kitchen as a woman and a little bit about motherhood, about being a chef's wife, and obviously why we do the crazy things that we do in this industry. So Veronica is a mom of two little girls. She's also a hospitality She's a former chef. She is the wife of a chef. And she's now an HR professional, also a lover of all food and wine. But she finds a really great balance. I think that I'm constantly just admiring about her because she also balances with a healthy lifestyle. She's very active. She does yoga and running and jujitsu and every time I turn around, there's a new obsession. So (laughs) welcome so much. So excited to get started with talking a little bit more about your experience in hospitality.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is amazing.
2: We get to have coffee while the kids are at school. So couldn't pack it drinking.
0: This is um, green tea with a vanilla protein in it. Then having coffee, I've kind of given up on coffee a little bit. So I'm moving on to other things.
2: So jump right in. You know, I think that it's really cool when we look back at our career and we start to think about like what brought me to where I am today. So you want to tell me a little bit about how you came to join the hospitality industry? So I would say for the very beginning of my career
0: began while I was in probably middle school, middle school, early high school, just always wanting to run home and watch the Food Network or some PBS cooking show. And I just fell in love with cooking. And it was just one of those things that I'd walk home with another fellow friend who was very into food. And we talk about what we were going to cook when we got home and I would make dinner for everybody. And it was just something that I just loved so much. And I never really, I don't know why I just gravitated towards it at such an early age, but it was just something that I became really passionate about. I mean, my dad always cooks a lot. I come from a Spanish household, which everybody's, my grandmother's always cooking everything from scratch. My father is Irish and German, and she was always cooking everything. And I don't know, it was always around food, but I just loved it. I love the idea of um, cooking for people and bringing people together through food. And it's like the one place that everybody's just always happy, happiest when they're mm-hmm. eating. So it just became um, something I wanted to pursue. And then I went to culinary school. So I went to Johnson and Wales after looking at a few places and I did go there. I loved it. I thought it was really great city, Providence, Rhode Island. Was, that's what the one I went to. It just was fun, you know, there's a lot of colleges around there. There was a few friends of mine that were going to PC and in Boston and stuff like that. So, I I kind of was wanting that more college atmosphere and that definitely gave it more so than the CIA, which was kind of secluded and everything. So, I just gravitated towards that school and and I loved it. I wasn't very good in high school with academics or anything. Like I was definitely the one that just skid by but I always did really well in home ec and my teacher became like a really good friend and she kind of helped me progress into the next step of going to culinary school so when I went to culinary school it was amazing like I just never I excelled like i Got A's and everything. I was on the dean's list. Like it was just something that came natural to me and that I fell in love with doing. And I loved it because it was, I only did an associate's degree, but it showed you so much. It showed you, you know, I didn't, I did culinary, so not the baking, but um, you know, you had baking classes, you had dining room classes. It was just wine classes, cocktail, mixology. It was just so cool. It opened my eyes to so much more than I thought I would ever want to do. So I, I I loved it. I just, I did great. And then I went to Seattle and I worked in a restaurant in a little town called Snoqualmie, which you had to take like a bus to go everywhere because it was the smallest town ever. But I worked at a really beautiful resort. And then I decided that there was no reason to do a bachelor degree or further because I learned so much in those three months than I had ever, ever expected to. It was so real and it was so different and you were just kind of thrown into it and it was great. I loved it. So I was just like, I just want to start working. I didn't want to go to school anymore. So I just did the two years and I jumped right in. Where did your degree take you from there? With that, I actually, my first cooking job was in a place called the Frog and the Peach in New Jersey, which is a pretty well-known place. It's been around for a really long time. They didn't have anything for me in, in the kitchen from the savory side. So I actually started working pastry first and I was baking, making bread, and I, like out of my comfort zone. But it was like, again, like I had a great time learning and doing all of that. And it was really different, but I learned a lot. And the pastry chef was super... Cool and just young, and enthusiastic, and just like happy to have people with somebody to help him because he just needed help. And the 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 chef, the, who is now actually the owner of the restaurant, just really liked me, so he just really wanted me to be part of the team. And he was like, "Eventually, I'll move you over. Don't worry, you know." And um, and I did, and I ended up being there for like two and a half years, and I progressed from pastry to garmanger. No, actually I didn't do garmanger. I went right to fish and then I was a headline cook. So it was a really great experience. I got to learn a lot. And then after that, I moved to New York because I was like, okay, that's like the next step. New Jersey is great with restaurants, but it's just not the same as working in a New York restaurant. So I got up, I moved to New York and started working in the city. That's when everything changed for me because that was like a whole nother beast of a place. Like New York is ruthless. It can be. And it was intimidating and it was scary and it was... Great, but it also led me to another path where I didn't think I was going to end up ever. It was in the front of the house. It was crazy. It was a little, little crazy to to go from one to the other. But like, you know, I started working at Oceana and Neil Gallagher was the chef and him and a few of his buddies, if you want to call them, came from Danielle and took over Oceana. And we were three stars. It was very, very intimidating. Like it was very competitive. And it was scary. Like I learned a lot. But at the same time, I was always scared to go to work (laughs) because it was back then when you could actually like not be so nice to people and yell at them and throw plates at them. And I thank God that never happened to me. But like it happened around me, which makes you makes it for a really hard working environment because you're constantly nervous. And being nervous is a great thing but sometimes it just it borders lines the limit of what how you should treat people so so that only lasted for so long but it was it was a really great experience and I did really well but that kind of environment was just not not good for me anymore like I was just it was just overwhelming and that's not what I got into cooking for. I got it because I love to do it not to be scared of it so I
2: moved on and I started working at um Boulay in the front of the house from one environment to the next I I I mean those are it's like night and day in a lot of ways <laughs> how many other women were in the kitchen when you were cooking at Oceana oh there was actually quite a few I want to say like three or four other girls that were cooking
0: na pastry and it was a, it was a good amount I mean that's a lot for at that time and that kind of a restaurant and it was very um very male oriented and they just they pushed you they pushed you a lot and it, it probably a little bit more so because you were a girl and they wanted to see how far you can go and how much pressure you can take before you broke and a lot of people did a lot of people would cry and go off the line and stuff but like I just was always the kind of person that like I just put your head down and you work and you get it done and then you go home and then you come back and you do it all over again but like it's just your job it's what you go through and you just I never wanted anybody to see that it it broke me like it it was it was hard because that's that's what everybody expects as a as a woman or a girl they just want to push you until you can cry or till you start yelling or whatever they expect you to do so but not that the guys had it easier they just it was just a different expectation for them than it was for you
2: I feel like with the the women that you were working with at the time was there any camaraderie between you
0: yeah i think though i think with the like one was uh one of the girls was a fish the head fish line cook and she was definitely like one of the boys like she knew she was up here and we were down here and there was with probably with like one other girl i would say she was very much we were like very much partners and we would talk a lot um but it depends and the kitchens kind of remain for themselves at the same time. So we even though we did share a station at one point, it was still like I'm still trying to do better than you and you're trying to do better than me because you want to move up and I do too. So it's you have camaraderie only to a certain extent and I feel like and I feel like that's how it is in most restaurants. Like your friends, you're also competing for the same thing, so it's it's different. You have to really, really think about how you approach people and how they they affect they affect you in the restaurant, in and out of it. So you have to kind of keep your enemies close, but that kind of thing. <laughs> but actually, a lot of those girls, I don't even think are in the in the restaurant business anymore. The one that I was partners with, I know she was working for Martha Stewart at one point, like not in the kitchen. Everybody's kind of. I think you kind of get tired of it. There's only so much you can take sometimes, even though you love it so much. You just move on to other areas of the restaurant business
2: or you move to something else. For, yeah, For women and for men, just because mm-hmm. it's such a challenging industry, for sure. So you were saying that you had the opportunity to move into the front of the house. Where did you join the team? Oh, so this was at Boulay. And then I was there
0: and I loved, I was a food runner. So it was from jumping from a really busy, a lot of pressure restaurant to jumping into like extremely busy or a restaurant with no experience in working in the front of the house. But I was excited about it because one, it was kind of a relief to step away from a toxic environment for me that I was kind of falling apart in to a place where I was learning something completely new, so it was exciting. And I was still in the kitchen, so I was still helping. I was still finishing a dish or doing stuff with the chefs or helping garmage if they needed something really quick. Yeah, so it was exciting. And the chef was Cesar Ramirez, who owns Brooklyn Fair now. And he was an insane person, like crazy, crazy, amazingly talented chef, but like just crazy. Like, and And when you're in that environment, I think you just go crazy because, it was so busy. It was like constant. Like I I can't, you can't even describe how crazy that restaurant is, but like it ran on chaos. It was like perfectly executed chaos. And that's exactly what it was every single night, six days a week. It was crazy. I also, I think I worked the most I ever did at that restaurant. Like I would work six days a week. I'd be there at nine in the morning and I would leave at 11 at night and I was just working, 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 but like, I loved it. It was I loved being there. I learned a lot. General manager was Didier. He was French and he would show me how to set tables and, you know, stand behind the chair and make sure the plate is this way and the, the forks and the knives are perfectly like an inch away and the glass is here. And I had never known anything like that before, you know, so it was really like, I loved it. I loved the perfection of it. And it was just how like there was certain ways that things had to be done. And, and it was great. It was an amazing restaurant in Boulay. Like he is an amazing chef. Like, he'd get there on a Friday night at, like, 8 o'clock at night, be in the kitchen for an hour with not a spot on him. Like, I don't understand how that happened. Like, I was in awe of the way he was. Like, he was amazing. And he is an amazing chef. His reputation doesn't do him justice, like, for sure. But he is, it was a great place to work. And it was, like, the... Busy time where they still had Danube, which was another restaurant that he owned. It was the same block. So it was just like a, it was just crazy all the time, back and forth with all these restaurants. And like you're a part of so much, so much than just one thing. So it was exciting. It wasn't like the, the restaurant itself was like really dark and there was like velvet, like seats and couches. And people would have sex in the bathrooms. Like it was, it was like a whole it's nother crazy. world. Yeah. It was insane. I was like, where am I? But like it was. <laughs> (laughs) It was pretty fun at the same time.
2: I think there's an impression that people have that when you work in a fine dining restaurant that is definitely of that caliber that people behave themselves, but people are people.
0: No way. I think it's like almost the complete opposite because they're feel entitled that they can do whatever they want. I and mean, this is my seat. This is my bow, and it's like okay, like do what you want. Like you're, here, I'm here to serve you. But it's it's pretty. It was insane. Like the stories, and and the great thing about his restaurants, which is are sad that they're not there anymore, is that like everybody who worked there. Worked worked there for a really long time like his turnover rate I would say for yeah line cooks and stuff like that might be hot might have been high just because their heart Caesar was a little hard to work for at times but like the majority of people that worked there had been there they were, like, they were like family like they literally like families working there and it was uh it was pretty unique to be around that where everybody really did care because this was like their family income so it was it was an interesting place but then I had to move on because I was as awesome as it was like I had an opportunity, one of the pastry chefs who I grew close with a lot of the cooks and she, she pushed me to apply a per se because they were opening and I was like, no way, I'll never get in there. i just barely started doing this. I have no experience, you know, other than working here. And she was like, believe me, you're perfect for this job. And I was like, okay. So I trusted her and I, I never didn't expect anything of it. And then one of the managers, Michelle, called me and I interviewed with him and another manager. I got hired right away. Like they called me that same day, which from later on hearing from other people that got hired, they were like, we had to to wait a week. And I was like, maybe they were desperate. I don't know. But I got lucky and I got hired and I, I couldn't, I was so excited. Like I ran home, I ran to Jersey, took the train. I told my, my parents, I was so happy. Like it was, it was like I had won the lotto or something because it was such a big name. And I was like, so underqualified, but I was like, um, here we go. Like this is a whole, whole nother journey. And that was, I mean, Lay was my start, but per se is what defined me and what made me like, who who I became in the industry. It
2: was definitely a really exciting time. I remember when you joined the team and meeting you, <laughs> I was just so thrilled that there was another woman that was Hispanic on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's just something that you look, you look for what you're familiar with and on and any mm-hmm. team that you're on, but it really was a really exciting time. And Thomas Keller had brought the whole team From California to open, remember? I got there after that.
0: I had just missed the very beginning of the opening. So I got there like maybe, I don't know, a month or so after that. And you you guys got to experience all of that,
2: like what ballet dancers and all that. I guess thinking back to the timing when the training first started before they had finished construction on Mm -hmm. the whole space. We learned a lot from all of the people that they brought in to do workshops and menu training mm-hmm. and education and how to do the dance so that you're providing mm-hmm. the best service. But we we took that and we were able to train whoever came in yeah. behind us, which it seems like you may have come in in the spring and I think we started training in January. So. so that's really mm-hmm. not a lot of time uh-uh. to kind of be an expert at it, but they were just so adamant and so focused on the details. It was really exciting. And at the time, there was nothing like it. And I also feel like because he's an American chef, the big hitters at the time are still around with Eric Repair and Jean-Georges and Danielle. But the fact that TK had moved to California and made a name for himself at the French Laundry and then came back to kind of conquer New York, it was really fun to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was blown away. I had never experienced a restaurant that had took so much care into every little detail. And our, that was like overwhelming in itself. Like that's a lot of pressure to have to know every single thing. I still have every single menu of every service I work. Still have them all. Oh my God. I have and to read them. It's so funny. It's like soup app. Ah. Hot first first appetizer second appetizer oh my god it's like no no vegetable ever repeats itself no ingredient repeats itself oh man that was like the first food menus i had i was like i'm never going to make it i can't remember all this and the, the chocolates on top of that whew, a lot to remember salts and all this stuff but just going to, but i i thought it was, i loved it and maybe that's why i remembered it because i thought it was so so amazing to be a part of something like that, to know ten salts off the top of your head from where they're from, how they're harvested, why they're so different, why they're unique. To do that was like, who wants salts? I got it. <laughs> like it was like it was it was amazing to serve different utensils, to do everything just the right way. It was and just serving people was a dance, and go from one way to the other. From it's just people were in awe of what we did in that restaurant and they still are. And that's why it's still around and it probably will be forever because people don't experience those things. We used to get culinary school kids, remember they would drink water for lunch, but they would save up all of their money just to eat there and to experience it. To experience something so great and magical, and that's that says a lot.
2: Service, I think, also for the dining room. I think that at the time it was considered totally different and a little bit more modern than the, the yeah. traditional French style of service. We served from the left and not from the right, and
0: yeah, open hand service instead of doing it. You're right, from their left or their right. It was
2: more open hand service. Right. So. As we got more comfortable, it became almost, it felt really graceful still, but almost like a casual thing. And I think one of the things that was also really exciting for me is that Laura Cunningham was basically all of the service was her brainchild. And so that was exciting to know that in a city full of a bunch of restaurants that definitely practiced a very old school French style of service, Mm -hmm. and it was predominantly men. So that was fun oh, yeah. cool too. And they were looking for fresh and young talent that they could train instead of finding the most experienced captains in the city, for example. So that was fun. Yeah,
0: them. And I think it's like it was it was more than it was more much more than a restaurant. It was bigger than a really great restaurant, because I think all of us, especially the people who who started started it, were so many people we're still friends with that I still talk to that we're still close with that. It, we were became like a family and at that restaurant I have to say that although you were you were comp- competitive you were competing you were trying to make sure you knew everything like I'm going to help you but like I need to make sure I know it we still had the same goal at the end of the day was to make everybody every guest happy and I have to say that that was very unique in that restaurant where we all worked together even though we were working for ourselves if, if I would if you understand what I mean like but we all we all were had the same goal like if you needed something. And I had a minute, I was more than like, you know, okay, I got this. Or somebody needed water at a table, run and do that. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to let you look bad. It was our, our, every, their goal was the same for every single guest that came. It was for them to have a great experience and for them to live a little bit of that for a few hours of their night of having magical service and food and not having to ask for anything, everything being there when they needed it. I think that was like a really great thing about that restaurant is that like we all really, really did come together when we needed each other. And it kind of like ruins you though when you go working anywhere else because you're like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> you're spoiled. <laughs>
2: no. Well, and I think sometimes people that work there, they're labeled as snobs. They work in hmm. John George years later and you, know, yeah. you can definitely feel the difference. It's not better or worse it's just different you know what I mean yeah. it's just a completely different yeah. philosophy so can't help it can't help it. have a yeah. for something that you worked so hard they to build can't. no so fast forward I know that you moved to Chicago and you worked oh, yeah. in some really prestigious restaurants there and then later lived in California and made your way back to New Jersey what brought you back to New Jersey so we lives in California. I got pregnant. I thought that
0: it would be easier than it was. <laughs> I thought we could do it. And I, I was working at Auberge du Soleil, which is like a beautiful resort in Napa, just like any restaurant or any uh, restaurant business bar. And it had a really fine dining restaurant, but the hours are hard. And my husband is a chef, so his hours were just as hard as mine. So there, it was impossible, like either one of us sacrificed and I don't even think we could afford to have just a sitter for those many hours. It's like leaving the house for like 15 hours a day. And I was like, What? We really do need need help. Like we need family. We can never afford to do this on our own. Like it's just going to be impossible. So we decided to move back to New Jersey because of that. Most of my family is here. My parents, my sister. So it was just it was just was a little bit easier for us to do that. And then again, being coming from a Spanish background and a, a background where our families are always part of our lives, like very very close. I couldn't imagine doing that to my family and not having them be Grandparent or an aunt to my to our to our kids, so we moved back because of that. Sometimes I wish we would have stayed and tried because I loved it there. And one day I will go back because that's how much I love it. At that moment, it was just the right decision. It was a decision that we had to make because we just would have never. It just would have been really hard. It would have been a struggle, and we didn't want to want to have to go through that. So we we come back, and then we for a few years had to kind of put things on pause, or I did, I should say, because then I got pregnant again with my second daughter and then I couldn't really work in a restaurant with two little kids and it was just difficult so I started my father owned a deli so I started working at his the family business and it was convenient for me. And I, you know, I got to make some extra money. I was still around food. I was still serving and doing and prepping and cooking and all that. But it was just a little bit different what we thought was going to (laughs) happen because it it didn't plan out the way we were going to do it. And then my husband went back. He was working at Del Posto. Then he started working at La Condo Verde and then things started to get better financially for us where we were able to move out and um, buy our own house and kind of feel a little bit more independent. And, and able to kind of figure things out for ourselves. But there was a struggle having kids and being in this industry it was very difficult. And I still, I have struggled with it since I've had kids. You do something for so long and you identify yourself as this kind of a person and then now you're a mom and and uh, you don't know what else to be because they need you and then but you need to find yourself at the same time. And it's really hard. It's a really hard thing. And I battled like ugh, with like being happy, being mad, being resentful, all the feelings until you finally accept like, OK, this is the role that I have and I love my children. So you make it work. You try to find a job that is gonna help you so I ended up working in a school and then three or four months later COVID hit and I was like oh no not again like it was like another setback and then I couldn't go back because my kids were in Zoom so it was another struggle like what do I do now now I'm a teacher now I'm a mom now I don't know what else to do for work because I can't leave my kids so they're still little so it's it's been a roller coaster of a ride trying to figure out your new place in this industry when and you have kit, and when things happen and it's hard. It's very difficult to find and it's a struggle, but the type of people, that the type of person that I am, you just can't give up and you have to fight it you figure it out. I used to stress a lot about it and now I've just kind of learned to just roll with it because there's nothing I can do to change change it. I could just keep moving forward every day. Lately. I mean, <laughs>
2: I, I think at this point you've mastered it <laughs> uh, <laughs> or at least a little bit more than before. Tried. <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be, you start You started in the kitchen, you were a chef, and then you made a name for yourself as a front of house professional as well. But what's it like to now still have a spouse that's in the industry that you are so committed and passionate about? And now you're the chef's wife like I, I envy
0: him sometimes like he he still is doing what he loves to do and like I wish sometimes that I could be in his role and like I want to go he's and he always tells me you want to do it you do it I'll stay home <laughs> I'll I'll watch the kit but that time has come and gone like it's very different now like the stories that he tells me is it's a whole nother world this industry that it was when we first started now to what it is now it's it's very different I think I'm in love with the old the old restaurant business and not so much the new one so but it is cool to hear him and like obviously I know all the lingo and all of what's going on so like he'll ask me questions sometimes and I'm like oh well, what about this or what about that and I feel kind of useful and it makes me feel good that I'm we ha- we still have that connection it's not it's not a stress for us anymore like it's more of well, okay like we, we incorporate our life of food and the industry into our household so it's very normal
2: do you feel like either of the girls tend to gravitate towards the kitchen in the way that either of you have? They both definitely like to do things and cook I, I always say
0: oh god I hope not they really are they're really into baking so which I almost feel like is a different kind of a beast it's not it's into. It's hard as well but it can be a little bit not easier but less not I don't want to say less stressful but it's a different environment being a baker or being in the pastry you know you can you can create something and work out of your house it's a little bit different but we're always like no you don't want to do that you don't want to do that my husband always is telling them you have to go to college first and then if you want to do something after that like as long as you have a degree like you're good and then you can pursue what you want to do we don't shy away from them away from it but also I don't think it's something that I would want for them just because it is so demanding when you become a serenade it's not it's not as easy as it as it once was standing around all day you have pains you're it's not it's not easy it's not conducive to a lifestyle easy. family either it's very hard so you know there's a lot of things my husband's missed I'm grateful to to have been there to see them, but like it's, it's hard. It's It weighs on him too that, that he is off, he is very engaged and the kids know, he feel his presence. So he may be out of the house um, they may only see him once a day, one for 10-15 minutes in the morning, but those are, cute. 15 minutes could be like an hour, like it feels to them because he's that engaged. But They don't ever feel like he's not here. They miss him they ask, oh I want daddy to be home but it's not like they're crying and they know they know daddy's working and they move they move past home.
2: Yeah, as a parent I think you learned that it's about being engaged in the moment however yeah. short the time you have which I think I think we have that kind of built-in skill mm-hmm. from just yeah. building relationships with people and you have to. I mean it's totally different as a parent of course because you love them so much your heart could explode but yeah um, exactly it definitely is good to kind of take advantage of those moments in between yeah I agree I think your story is a really great one I think it's a common one but I think it's also something unique because of the opportunities that you have in the moment in time that you were able to be involved with certain projects. I think that you'll take it with you forever. Who knows after all of this stuff, like, would you still open a restaurant with Luciano?
0: Yes, I would. It's crazy as it sounds. Yes, I totally would. Like I said, we do work really great together, but I trust him and he trusts me. So it's great. And I, I do love the idea of, of having something and just calling it your own. But I think it's when you can call your own shots and you make the hours you want to make and you create something that is special to you or unique to you and what you want to do. When you work for somebody else, it's hard to make a, your name shine more than the owner or the chef or but yeah i mean i i, I would definitely struggle with where when what would it be but definitely I, I i think we both would even though it's it's exhausting but it's what we know and it's what we love and it's what we're passionate about yeah. thank you
2: so much for joining us i really appreciate it. i think that people are going to be excited to hear your story and we'll talk soon
1: Thanks for listening to the Surviving Hospitality podcast, an LA Consulting firm production. At LA Consulting, we specialize in accounting and human resources for the hospitality industry. Through this podcast, our goal is to inspire and share stories about our challenges and wins in the industry we love. We get real about it, share some laughs, and take a minute to remember why we do it. Surviving Hospitality is hosted by Elisa Martinez, produced by me, Michelle Rodriguez, edited by mohammed yusuf original music by phil petrie on behalf of guests around the world enjoying service at this moment our deepest gratitude we love you